rolls over, it picks up more snow and gets larger until by the time you get to the bottom, you have an avalanche. Most people get to the bottom of the list and find that now they can pay well over $1,000 per month on a car loan or a student loan. At that point, it won't take long to bust out and be debt-free except for the house. That is baby step two. Use the debt snowball to become debt-free except for your home. The major elements of making the debt snowball work are using a budget, getting current before you start, smallest to largest payoff, no cheating, sacrifice, and focused intensity. Total, sold-out, focused intensity is possibly the most important. This means saying to yourself and meaning it, to the exclusion of virtually everything else, I'm getting out of debt. Proverbs 6, 1 and 5, loosely paraphrased, says, If you have signed surety, my son, surety is Bible talk for debt, deliver yourself like the bird from the hand of the fowler and the gazelle from the hand of the hunter. I remember reading that Bible verse and thinking what a cute little animal metaphor it was for getting out of debt. Later that week, I was surfing channels one day and hit the Discovery Channel. I noticed they were filming gazelles. The gazelles were peacefully grazing around. Of course, you know the Discovery Channel wasn't there just for the gazelles. The next camera shot was of Mr. Cheetah sneaking up in the bushes looking for lunch. Suddenly, one of the gazelles got a whiff of Mr. Cheetah. The other gazelles noticed the alarm and soon also were on edge. They couldn't yet see the cheetah, so out of fear of running at him, they froze until he played his cards. Realizing he had been discovered, Mr. Cheetah decided to give it his best shot and leaped from the bushes. The gazelles all yelled, Cheetah! Well, not really, but they did run like crazy in 14 different directions. The Discovery Channel reminded viewers that the cheetah is the fastest mammal on dry land. He can go from zero to 45 miles per hour in four leaps. The show also proved that because the gazelle will outmaneuver the cheetah, instead of outrunning him, the cheetah will tire quickly. As a matter of fact, the cheetah only gets his gazelle burger for lunch in one out of 19 chases. The gazelle's primary hunter is the fastest mammal on dry ground, yet the gazelle wins almost every time. Likewise, the way out of debt is to outmaneuver the enemy and run for your life! An obvious step to working the debt snowball is to stop borrowing. Otherwise, you will just be changing the names of the creditors on your debt list. So you must draw a line in the sand and say, I will never borrow again. As soon as you make that statement, there will be a test. Trust me, your transmission will go out, your kid will need braces. It is almost as if God wants to see if you are really gazelle intense. At this point, you are ready for a plastectomy, plastic surgery to cut up your credit cards. A permanent change in your view of debt is your only chance. No matter what happens, you have to pursue the opportunity or solve the challenge without debt. It has to stop. If you think you can get out of debt without huge resolve to stop borrowing, you are wrong. You can't get out of a hole by digging out the bottom. Sometimes your debt snowball won't roll. When some people do their budget, there's barely enough to make all the minimum payments and nothing extra to pay on the smallest. There is no push to get the snowball rolling. Let me offer another image to help you better understand this problem and the solution. 
my great-great-grandfather ran a timber operation in the hills of Kentucky and West Virginia. In that bygone era, after cutting the timber, they would put the logs into the river to float them downstream to the sawmill. The logs would build up at a bend in the river, and a traffic jam of wood occurred. Sometimes the loggers would break the jam loose by pushing the logs. Other times they would have to get radical before a real mess occurred. When it got bad, they would break the log jam by throwing dynamite into the middle of the logs that were blocking the progress. As you can imagine, this created a dramatic effect. When the dynamite blew, the logs and pieces of logs would fly into the air. After working so hard to cut the trees, some of them were a total loss. They had to blow up some of the timber to get the rest of the crop to market. That's the sacrifice the situation required. Sometimes that is what you have to do with the stopped-up budget. You have to dynamite it. You have to get radical to get the money flowing again. One way to do that is to sell something. You could sell lots of little stuff at a garage sale, sell a seldom-used item on the Internet, or sell a big precious item through the classifieds. Get gazelle intense and sell so much stuff that the kids are afraid they are next. Sell things that make your broke friends question your sanity. If your budget is stopped up and your debt snowball won't roll on its own, you are going to have to get radical. Watching heroes across the nation get out of debt with gazelle intensity, believe me, I have seen them sell things. One lady sold 350 goldfish from her pond for a dollar each. Men have sold their Harleys, boats, knife collections, or baseball cards. Ladies have even sold things like non-family antiques. Keep the heirlooms because you can't get them back. I don't recommend selling your home unless you have payments above 45% of your monthly take-home pay. Usually the home isn't the problem. I do recommend that most people sell the car with the most debt on it. A good rule of thumb on items except the house is this. If you can't be debt-free on it in 18 to 20 months, sell it. If you have a car or a boat, that you can't pay off in 18 to 20 months, sell it. It is just a car. Dynamite the log jam. I used to love my car, too, but I found keeping that huge debt while trying to get out of debt was like running a race wearing ankle weights. The number of people I talk to about this who will not throw dynamite into their log jam to get the money flowing makes me sad. They can see that the logs will never get to market. They will never have wealth but they just can't stand the thought of blowing up a few of them so the rest will get down the river. Translation, I love my stupid car more than the idea of becoming wealthy enough to give cars away. Don't make that mistake. More income will break up your log jam. If your budget is too tight to get the debt snowball rolling, working extra hours can increase income in order to increase the speed of debt repayment. I don't like the idea of working 100 hours per week. But sometimes extreme situations require extreme solutions. Temporarily, just for a manageable period of time, the extra job or overtime may be your solution. I picked up a pizza last night, and as the guy behind the counter started walking toward his car with a stack of pizzas to be delivered, he saw me and stopped. Smiling, he said, Hey, Dave, I'm here because of you. Only three more months and I'm debt-free. This was not some 17-year-old teenager. This was a dad, a 35-year-old guy who wants to be free. 
There is a young single guy that works on my team. He is gazelle intense about becoming debt-free. He works here until 5.30 every day, and he smiles as he leaves to work for UPS for another four or five hours virtually every night. Why are all these guys smiling? They work hard and unbelievable extra hours, so why would they smile? They smile because they've caught the vision, the vision of living like no one else, so later they can live like no one else. What about saving for retirement while the snowball's rolling, Matt asked me on the radio show, about another subject that people have trouble with on Baby Step 2. Matt wanted to know if he should stop his 401k contributions to get his debt snowball moving. He really didn't want to stop contributing, especially the first 3%, because his company matches that 100%. I am a math nerd, and I know the 100% match is sweet, but I have seen something more powerful, focused intensity. If you are going to be gazelle intense and do everything in your power to become debt-free very quickly, then stop your retirement plan contributions, even if your company matches them. If you are radically gazelle intense, the speed of your debt freedom will enable you to return to that 401k with the match in just a matter of months. Imagine how much you'll be able to contribute without payments. The average person who throws the dynamite and is gazelle intense will be debt free except for their home in 18 months. If for some reason you are stuck in an extremely deep hole, you may want to continue doing some retirement saving. An extremely deep hole is not defined by your unwillingness to apply yourself. Penny's air conditioner went out in the dead of summer. The repairs were $650, which she took from her emergency fund. Now what does she do? Penny needs to put the debt snowball temporarily on hold. She will continue to make minimum payments and go back to the first step until she gets back up to $1,000 in her emergency fund. If she doesn't, soon she will have nothing in savings, and when the alternator on the car goes out, she will reopen some credit card account, and the same applies to you. If you use the emergency fund, return to baby step one until you have refunded your beginner emergency fund. Then move right back to your debt snowball, baby step two. Because of debt consolidation loans and other mistakes, many people have a home equity loan or some kind of large second mortgage. What should be done with this loan? Is it put in the debt snowball or just called a mortgage and not dealt with at this step? Generally speaking, if your second mortgage is more than 50% of your gross annual income, you should not put it in the debt snowball. We will get to it later. If you have a small business loan or have borrowed on your credit cards for business, this is personal debt treat small business debt like any other kind of debt, list it with your other debts, smallest to largest, in the debt snowball. If your business debt is larger than half your gross annual income or half your home mortgage, hold the payoff on that size debt until later. The only other larger debt to delay is mortgages on rental properties. Stop buying more rental property, but hold that debt payment until later. After your home mortgage is paid off, in a later baby step, you should snowball your rental mortgages. Other than the home mortgage, larger second mortgages, business loans, rental mortgages are the only things that aren't paid off in baby step two. If you are fired up, normally this will happen within 18 to 20 months. Many people 
Find a way to shorten the time with sheer intensity, and God tends to pour blessings on people going in a direction he wants them to go. The death snowball is very possibly the most important step in your total money makeover for two reasons. One, you free up your most powerful wealth-building tool, your income, during this step. Two, you take on the entire American culture by declaring war on debt. By paying off your debt, you show that the total money makeover of your heart has occurred, paving the way for a total money makeover of your actual wealth. Chapter 8. Finish the Emergency Fund. Kick Murphy out. When you reach this step, you have $1,000 cash and no debt except your home mortgage. You have pushed with such focused intensity that the ball is now rolling, and you have momentum on your side. You are beginning to see the power of being in control of your largest wealth-building tool, your income. Now that you don't have any payments except the house, baby step three should come quickly. A fully funded emergency fund covers three to six months of expenses. What would it take for you to live three to six months if you lost your income? Financial planners and financial counselors like myself have used this rule of thumb for years, and it has served my total money makeover participants well. You start the emergency fund with $1,000. But a fully funded emergency fund will usually range from $5,000 to $25,000. The typical family that can make it on $3,000 per month might have a $10,000 emergency fund as a minimum. What would it feel like to have no payments but the house and $10,000 in savings for when it rains? Remember what we said about emergencies. It will rain. You need an umbrella. I'm going to bang on this drum again because it is vital if your makeover is going to be permanent. The worst time to borrow is when times are bad. In a recent Gallup poll, 78% of Americans said they would borrow on a credit card if a rainy day came, and it wouldn't be difficult. I agree, it wouldn't be difficult because credit cards are issued to dogs and dead people every year. But that doesn't mean it would be smart. A poll in Parenting Magazine said 49% of Americans could cover less than one month's expenses if they lost their income. Half of this culture has virtually no buffer between them and life. Here comes Murphy. Remember how we discussed that problems seem to be, and I believe actually are, less frequent when you have your fully funded emergency fund. Don't forget that the emergency fund actually acts as Murphy repellent. So what is an emergency? Emergencies include paying the deductible on medical, homeowners, or car insurance after an accident, a job loss or cutback, medical bills resulting from an accident or unforeseen medical problems, or a blown transmission or engine in a car that you need to function. All these are emergencies. Something on sale that you need is not an emergency. I want to start a business is not an emergency. Prom dresses and college tuition are not emergencies. Beware not to rationalize the use of your emergency fund for something that you should save for and purchase. Sharon and I would never use the emergency fund without first discussing it and being in agreement. We also would never use the emergency fund without sleeping on the decision and praying about it. 
Our agreement, our prayer, and our cooling off period will help us determine if this decision is a rationalization, a reaction, or a real emergency. Keep your emergency fund in something that is liquid. Liquid is a money term that means easy to get to with no penalties. I use growth stock mutual funds for long-term investing, but I would never put my emergency fund there. If my car engine blew, I would be tempted to borrow to fix it rather than cash in my mutual fund because the market is down. We always want to wait on it to go back up. That means I have an emergency fund in the wrong place. For the same reason, don't use certificates of deposit for your emergency fund because typically you will be charged a penalty for taking an early withdrawal. I suggest a money market account with no penalties and full check writing privileges for your emergency fund. We have a large emergency fund for our household in a mutual fund company money market account. Keep in mind that the interest earned is not the main thing. The main thing is that the money is available to cover emergencies. Your wealth building is not going to happen in this account. That will come later in other places. This emergency fund is to protect you against storms, give you peace of mind, and keep the next problem from becoming debt. So how much money should be in your emergency fund? We said it should be enough to cover three to six months of expenses. But should you go with the three months or six months? If you earn straight commission or are self-employed, you should use the six-month rule. If you are single, or if you are a one-income married household, you should use the six-month rule because a job loss in your situation is a 100% cut in household income. If your job situation is unstable or there are chronic medical problems in the family, you too should lean toward the six-month rule. If you have a quote-unquote steady, secure job, where you've been with the company or government agency for 15 years and everyone is healthy, you could lean toward the three-month rule. Customize your emergency fund to your situation and to how your spouse deals with the feeling of risk. This fund is for actual protection and for peace of mind. So the spouse who wants this fund to be higher wins. In Baby Step 2, I instructed you to use all non-retirement savings and investments to pay down your debt. Clean everything out and become debt-free except for the house. Use all savings and investments that don't have a penalty for withdrawal like retirement plans. If you used savings that you had in Baby Step 2, Start the Debt Snowball, you cleaned out even the emergency fund down to Baby Step 1, save $1,000. Now is the time to rebuild your emergency fund by replacing any money you may have used to pay debt. Many times I've met someone who has $6,000 in savings at the bank making 2% interest and $11,000 in credit card debt. The very thought of using $5,000 of that savings to pay the credit cards partially off is very hard. That $6,000 emergency fund is your security blanket, and fear rises up deep inside when someone like me mentions that you should use that money to snowball your debt. You are right to feel that fear and to question whether you should spend the $5,000 to pay down the debt. You should use that money only if you and your whole family are into a total money makeover. I know even if everyone is on board, Gazelle intense, and there is a plan... My suggestion still scares some of you. Good. 
Don't you think one of the things that makes the gazelle intense is fear? As your total money makeover completely changes your money habits, you will use the emergency fund less and less. Sharon and I haven't touched our emergency fund in over 10 years. When we first started, everything was an emergency. But as the total money makeover begins to take effect, you have fewer and fewer things you can't cover in your monthly budget. What used to be a huge life-altering event will become a mere inconvenience. When you are debt-free and aggressively investing to become wealthy, taking a few months off from investing will put a new engine in a car. When I say the emergency fund is Murphy repellent, that is only partially correct. The reality is that Murphy doesn't visit as much. But when he does, we hardly notice his presence. When Sharon and I went broke, our heating and air system quit, and the repair cost $580. This was a huge, big, hairy deal. Last month, I had a new $570 water heater installed because the old one started leaking, and I hardly noticed. I wonder if the stress relief that your total money makeover provides will allow you to live longer. I keep saying that you are debt-free except for the house at this point and saving to finish the emergency fund. What if you don't have a home yet? I love real estate, but do not buy a home until you finish this step. A home is a blessing, but if you move into home ownership with debt and no emergency fund, Murphy will set up residence in the spare bedroom. Saving for a down payment or a cash purchase of a home should occur after becoming debt-free in Step 2 and after finishing the emergency fund in Step 3. That makes saving for a down payment baby Step 3B. You should save for the home if you have the itch before moving on to the next step. There are all sorts of folks who are eager to work with you so you can make it happen sooner, but the definition of creative financing is too broke to buy a house. Next stop, serious wealth building. Well, you have made it. Two or two and a half years from the time you start your total money makeover, you can sit at the kitchen table with no payments other than for your house and three to six months worth of expenses and savings, which is thousands of dollars in a money market account. Close your eyes and let your emotions and your spirit visit that place. Wow, I know I see you smiling now. Once we've covered these basic steps and laid a foundation, the time has come to build some wealth. Remember, that is why we started a total money makeover. We wanted not just to be out of debt, but to become wealthy enough to give, retire with dignity, leave an inheritance, and have some expensive fun. Stay tuned for some big fun. Chapter 9, Maximizing Retirement Investing. Be financially healthy for life. I have a friend in his 40s who has a bodybuilder physique, but he is not some wild health nut. He watches what he eats, and he works out a couple of times a week. I have another friend in his 30s who diets fanatically, runs every day, lifts weights three times a week, but is still 40 pounds overweight. The second guy started his health journey a couple of years ago and is losing weight and getting into shape. 
The first muscle man maintains what he worked hard years ago to get. But he isn't working nearly as hard today. The total money makeover is the same way. Gazelle intensity is required to get to the wealth steps, but simple maintenance will keep your money muscles maintained. Keep in mind that my muscle man friend never eats three plates of food at a sitting. He is still aware he can lose his fitness. But he can look good and feel good with a lot less effort, assuming he remembers the principles that got him his great body in the first place. Gazelle Intensity has allowed you to lose 100 pounds of debt and get your cardio emergency fund ready. That foundation will allow you to become financially fit by toning your muscles. You have attacked your debt. It is gone. With the extra money after eliminating your debt, you attacked your emergency fund. It is funded. You are now at a crucial time. What do you do with the extra money that you poured into the emergency fund and debt payoffs? This is not the time to give yourself a raise. It is time to invest. Investing for retirement in the context of a total money makeover doesn't necessarily mean investing to quit your job. If you hate your career path, change it. You should do something with your life that lights your fire and lets you use your gifts. Retirement in America has come to mean, save enough money so I can quit the job I hate. That is a bad life plan. Harold Fisher is 100 years old. He works five days a week at the architectural firm he founded. Mr. Fisher doesn't work because he needs money. He works because he finds joy in what he does. He is a designer of churches. His favorite saying is, people who retire early, die early. Harold Fisher is financially secure and able to do what he wants, and that defines retirement the total money makeover way. When I speak of retirement, I think of security. Security means choices. That's why I think retirement means work is an option. You can choose to write a book, to design churches, or to spend time with your grandkids. You need to reach the point where your money works harder than you do. A total money makeover retirement plan means investing with the goal of security. You already possess the ability to quit your job, and if you don't like your work, you should consider doing that. If not today, develop a five-year game plan for transitioning into what God designed you to do. However, don't wait until you're 65 to do what you love. That said, the money part does matter. You want to reach your golden years with financial dignity, and that will happen only with a plan. USA Today reported recently that 56% of Americans do not systematically prepare for retirement age by investing. Consumer Federation of America found that of people making less than $35,000 per year, 40% said the best way for them to have $500,000 at retirement age is to win the lotto. Wealth Builder Magazine's poll found 80% of Americans believe their standard of living will go up at retirement. Talk about living in a fantasy. The reality is much colder. USA Today reports that out of 100 people aged 65, 97 of them can't write a check for $600. 54 are still working and 3 are financially secure. Bankruptcies among those 65 and older have gone up 164% in the last eight years. Getting older is going to happen. You must invest now if you want to spend your golden years in dignity. 
Investing with the long-term goal of security is not a theory to ponder. It is a necessity that you must act on now. Baby step four, invest 15% of your income into retirement. Those of you concerned about retirement are relieved that we've finally gotten to this step. Those who have been living in denial are wondering what all the fuss is about. Baby step four is time to get really serious about your wealth building. Remember when you reach this step, you don't have any payments but a house payment. With only one payment, it should be easy to invest heavily. Before this step, you have ceased or have never started investing. And now, you have to really pour on the coals. Gazelle intensity in the previous steps has allowed you to be able to focus on growing a sizable nest egg. The tens of thousands of people we have met have helped me develop the 15% rule. The rule is simple. Invest 15% of before-tax gross income annually toward retirement. Why not more? You need some of your income left to do the next two steps, college saving and paying off your home early. Why not less? Some people want to invest less or none so they can get a child through school or pay off the home super fast. I don't recommend that because those kids' college degrees won't feed you at retirement. I don't recommend paying off the house first because I've counseled too many 75-year-olds with a paid-for house and no money. They end up selling the family home or mortgaging it to eat. You need some retirement investing at this stage before saving for college and the mortgage payoff. Plus, by getting started now, the magic of compound interest will work for you. When calculating your 15%, don't include company matches in your plan. Invest 15% of your gross income. If your company matches some or part of your contribution, you can consider it gravy. By the same token, do not use your potential Social Security benefits in your calculations. I don't count an inept government for my dignity at retirement, and you shouldn't either. I'm not taking a political position, but the mathematics of that system spell doom. If Social Security isn't there when you retire, you'll be glad you listened to my advice. If by some miracle Social Security is there when you retire, that will mean I was wrong. In that case, you'll have some extra money to give away. I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. Now that you've reached this step, you need to learn about mutual funds. The stock market has averaged just below 12% return on investment throughout its history. Growth stock mutual funds are what I recommend investing in for the long term. Growth stock mutual funds are lousy short-term investments because they go up and down in value, but they are excellent long-term investments when leaving the money longer than five years. My personal retirement funds and my kids' college are invested in the way I teach in the Total Money Makeover. Here's a Reader's Digest version of my approach. I select mutual funds that have a good track record of winning for more than five years, preferably more than ten years. I don't look at their one-year or three-year track records because I think long-term. I spread my retirement investing evenly across four types of funds. Growth and income funds get 25% of my investment. They are sometimes called large-cap or blue-chip funds. Growth funds get 25% of my investment. They are sometimes called mid-cap or equity funds. An S&P index fund would also qualify. International funds get 25% of my investment. 
They are sometimes called foreign or overseas funds. Aggressive growth funds get the last 25% of my investment. They are sometimes called small cap or emerging market funds. For a full discussion of what mutual funds are and why I use this mix, go to our website at DaveRamsey.com and visit my TMMO. The invested 15% of your income should take advantage of all the matching and tax advantages available to you. Always start where you have a match. When your company will give you free money, take it. If your 401k matches the first 3%, the 3% you put in will be the first 3% of your 15% invested. If you don't have a match, or after you have invested through the match, you should next fund Roth IRAs. There are some limitations as to income and situation, but most people can invest in a Roth IRA. The Roth grows tax-free. If you invest $3,000 per year from age 35 to age 65 and your mutual fund averages 12%, you will have $873,000 tax-free at age 65. You have invested only $90,000. 30 years times $3,000. The rest is growth, and you pay no taxes. The Roth IRA is a very important tool in virtually anyone's total money makeover. How much do you need to retire with dignity and security? How long will it take you to get there? You are secure and will leave a nice inheritance when you can live off 8% of your nest egg per year. If you make 12% on your money average and inflation steals 4%, 8% is a perfect number. If you make 12% and only pull out 8%, you grow your nest egg by 4% per year. That 4% keeps your nest egg and therefore your income ahead of inflation till death do you part. If you can live with dignity on $40,000, you need a nest egg of only $500,000. I would recommend that you have the largest nest egg possible because there are some really cool, non-greedy things to do with it later, like giving it away. If, when you run the calculations, you are afraid you won't make your goal by saving only 15%, keep in mind this is just baby step four. Later steps will allow you to accelerate your investing while still having a life. Would you dream with me for a moment? Dream that a 27-year-old couple with an average to below average income commit to a total money makeover. They get gazelle intense and in three years by age 30 they are at step four. They invest 15% of their income. The average household income in America is $40,816 per year according to the Census Bureau. Joe and Susie Average would invest $6,000, 15% per year, or $500 per month. If you make $40,000 per year and have no payments except the house mortgage and live on a budget, can you invest $500 per month? Follow me here. If Joe and Susie invest $500 per month with no match into Roth IRAs from age 30 to age 70, they will have $5 million tax-free. That is almost $6 million. What if I'm half wrong? What if you end up with only $3 million? 
What if I'm six times wrong? Sure beats the 97 out of 165-year-olds who can't write a check for $600. I would submit to you that Joe and Susie are well below average. They're losers. Why? In our example, they started at the average household income in America and in 40 years of work never got a raise. They saved 15% of income and never increased it by $1. There is no excuse to retire without financial dignity in the United States today. Most of you will have well over $2 million pass through your hands in your working lifetime. So do something about catching some of that money. Gail asked me one day if it was too late for her to start saving. Gail wasn't 27 like Joe and Susie. She was 57 years old. Life had dealt her some blows and had knocked most of the hope out of her. A total money makeover is not a magic show. You start where you are and you do the steps. These steps work if you're 27 or 57, and they don't change. Would it have been better for Gail to start when she was 27, or even 47? Obviously. But once she's done with the pity party, she needs to start with baby step one and follow the total money makeover step by step to put herself in the best possible position. It is never too late to start. The past has passed. That's why they call it that. Start where you are because that is your only option. Baby step four is not get rich quick. The investing you do systematically and consistently over time will make you wealthy. I think I see a smile broadening. You are going to win. Can you feel it? Can you see it? Your life is changing. This is fun. Now let's take another step. Another Total Money Makeover success story. What a financial and emotional mess I was in. I had a master's degree from the financial arena and had over $150,000, yes, that is four zeros, in debt. I'm one of those broke finance professors Dave talks about. Hey, I had some really fun stuff, but I couldn't enjoy it because of all the debt it cost. I was really paying what Dave refers to as stupid tax, doing something stupid that costs you money. So I decided to make a change. I sold my motor coach and got on a written budget for the first time in my life. To make a long story short, I've worked my way out of $116,000 of the debt. I don't have as many toys now, but I have a lot of peace. I'm actually getting good at my budget, which provides a lot more hope and direction than my degree and toys did. If you've got an income, you need the total money makeover. It will be the best thing you've done for yourself, your family, and your money. If I'd had this plan 40 years ago, I have no doubt that I'd be a millionaire today. Debt is not a tool. Camille, a school counselor. Chapter 10 college funding. Make sure the kids are fit, too. Time to do something about the ever-famous college fund. Many of you have been wringing your hands while we walked through four baby steps and have not saved so much as a dime for those little cherubs. Some people in our culture have lost their minds about college education. We need to examine our culture's value system on the college issue. 
We have sold our young people so hard and so long on college, and we have begun to accept some myths about college degrees. College degrees do not ensure jobs. College degrees certainly don't ensure success. College degrees do not ensure wealth. College degrees only prove that someone has successfully passed a series of tests. Because we have turned the college degree into some kind of genie-in-a-bottle formula to help us magically win at life, we go to amazingly stupid extremes to get one. I have been a millionaire, starting with nothing, two times before I was 40, and I attribute 15% of that to college knowledge and 0% to the degree. The book Emotional Intelligence reported a similar finding. In studying successful people, the author discovered that 15% of success could be attributed to training and education, while 85% was attributed to attitude, perseverance, diligence, and vision. College is important, very important, but it is not the answer to all your kids' problems. I will be so bold as to say college isn't even a need. It is a luxury. This luxury is one of the first on my list. But not before retirement, not before an emergency fund, and certainly not as a reason to go into debt. Do some research on the cost of attending college. In some areas of study, and in a very few careers, where you graduate from will matter, but in most it won't. Pedigree means less and less in our culture today. How can you justify going into debt $75,000 for a degree when you could have gone to a state school and paid for it out of your pocket debt-free? You can't. The first rule of college is pay cash. The second rule is, if you have the cash or the scholarship, go. A couple of years ago, I met with the dean of the College of Business from the university where I graduated. At that time, the average college student graduated with about $15,000 in student loan debt after spending three of four years in an apartment, not the dorm, and eating off campus, not on the meal plan. The average student paid $5,000 more per year to live and eat off campus than to live in the dorm and eat cafeteria food. The student loans that they had to have or they wouldn't be able to go to college weren't for college at all. The student loans on average paid for an off-campus standard of living and no debt was needed to get the degree only to look good while getting the degree. Student loans are a cancer. We have spread the myth that you can't be a student without a loan. Not true. If you've planned your savings goals and don't have much room in the budget for college, don't panic. In past generations, students lived with relatives, slept in dorms, ate cafeteria food, worked, and endured other hardships to get a degree. Now, after harping on mindset, we can set some reasonable, attainable goals for saving for college. Baby step five, save for college. Virtually everyone thinks saving for college is important. However, hardly anyone saves for their kids' college education. Money Magazine and CBS Market Watch both quote the alarming statistic that 39% of Americans with kids don't save a dime toward college. 4% have saved less than $1,000, and 25% have saved between $1,000 and $10,000. That means 68% 
have saved nothing or close to nothing. On the other hand, by the time you get here in the baby steps, you'll have a strong foundation and money to save. If you don't have children, or your kids are grown and gone, you will simply skip this step. For everyone else, a college fund is a necessity. College tuition goes up faster than regular inflation. Inflation of goods and services averages about 4% per year, while tuition inflation averages about 7% per year. When you save for college, you have to make at least 7% a year to keep up with the increases. Baby life insurance, like Gerber or other whole life for babies, to save for college is a joke, averaging less than 2% return. Savings bonds won't work either. Sorry, Grandma because they average about 5%. Most states now offer prepaid college tuition, but remember that when you prepay anything, you simply break even with inflation. If tuition goes up 7% a year and you prepay it, you make 7% on your money. That is not too bad, but keep in mind that a decent growth stock mutual fund will average over 12% when invested long term. Let's do baby step five the right way. I suggest funding college or at least the first step of college, with an educational savings account, ESA, funded in a growth stock mutual fund. The educational savings account, nicknamed the Education IRA, grows tax-free when used for higher education. If you invest $2,000 a year from birth to age 18 in prepaid tuition, that would purchase about $72,000 in tuition. But through an ESA in mutual funds averaging 12%, you would have $126,000 tax-free. The ESA currently allows you to invest $2,000 per year per child if your household income is under $200,000 per year. If you start investing early, your child can go to virtually any college if you save $166.67 per month, $2,000 per year. For most of you, Baby Step 5 is handled if you start an ESA fully funded and your child is under 8. If your children are older or you have aspirations of expensive schools, graduate schools, or Ph.D. programs, you will have to save more than the ESA will allow. I would still start with the ESA if the income limits don't keep you out. What if you have only a couple of years and will not be able to save much because you started your total money makeover late in life? First, plan on your child attending somewhere that is cheaper, living on campus and eating cafeteria food. You must get creative and resourceful. Look into companies that have work-study programs. Many companies offer to pay for school and have struck tuition deals with local colleges to attract the labor force. UPS, for instance, has a program in many cities where you can work 20 hours per week sorting boxes at night and they will pay your tuition for school during the day. The military isn't for everyone, but a young man who used to work for me got a free college education by serving four years in the Army. If full-time military service isn't for you, check out the National Guard. Take a high-rejection, high-paying summer sales job. There are countless stories of young people selling books or participating in similar programs to get through school. Some of these young guerrilla combat salespeople get more of an education in the summer trenches than they do in marketing class. A friend of mine made $40,000 selling in one summer. 
If you already have the student loans or don't want to get a loan in the first place, look into the underserved areas programs. The government will pay for school or pay off your student loans if you will go to work in an underserved area. These areas are typically rural or inner city areas. Most of these programs are for law or medicine. Probably my favorite method of funding school, other than saving for it, is unclaimed scholarships. There is more than $4 billion in unclaimed scholarship money every year. These scholarships are not academic or athletic scholarships either. They are of small to medium-sized dollar amounts from organizations like community clubs. The Rotary Club, the Lions Club, or the JCs many times have $250 or $500 per year they award to some good young citizen. The lists of these scholarships can be bought online, and there are even a few software programs you can purchase. Denise, a listener to my show, took my advice, bought one of the software programs, and worked the system. She spent the whole summer filling out applications and writing essays. She literally applied for 1,000 scholarships. Denise was turned down by 970, but she got 30, and those 30 scholarships paid her $38,000. She went to school for free, while her next-door neighbor sat and whined that no money was available for school and eventually got a student loan. If you walk your way up these baby steps, you can send your kids to school without debt. Even if you start late, perseverance and resourcefulness can get them through school. Chapter 11. Pay off the home mortgage. Be ultra fit. I have a good friend who runs marathons. As you reach baby step six, you reach marathoner status in the wealth building world. You have run the good race, but you aren't done. Bruce, my marathon friend, tells me that at about the 18th mile mark, runners begin to lock up. The highly trained and conditioned body starts talking to you about stopping. Big black clouds of doubt enter the mentally tough and trained competitive mind. You begin to think things like, 18 miles is pretty good. Few others could accomplish that. If you aren't really careful, the good enough can become the enemy of the best. Bad is seldom the enemy of the best. But mediocrity with a dose of doubt can keep you from excellence. Finishing well can be more important than starting well. At this point in your total money makeover, you are debt-free except the house and you have three to six months of expenses saved for emergencies. You are putting 15% of your income into retirement savings, and you are investing for your kid's college education. You are now one of the top 5 to 10% of Americans because you have some wealth, have a plan, and are under control. At this point in your total money makeover, you are in grave danger. You are in danger of settling for the good enough. You are at the 18-mile mark of a marathon, and now that it is time to reach for the really big gold ring, the final two baby steps could seem out of your reach. Let me assure you that many have seen this point. Some have stopped and regretted it. Others have stayed gazelle-intense long enough to finish the race. The latter 
have looked and seen just one major hurdle left, after which they can walk with pride among the ultra-fit elite who have finished the total money makeover. Baby step six, pay off your home mortgage. The final hurdle before you turn the corner for the last few miles is to become completely debt-free. No payments. I have said it before, and I will repeat myself until you hear me. If you invested what you pay in monthly payments, you'd be a debt-free millionaire before long. Every dollar in your budget that you can find above living, retirement, and college should be used to make extra payments on your home. Attack that home mortgage with gazelle intensity. Anytime I speak about paying off mortgages, people give me that special look. They think I'm crazy. Most people believe all the mortgage myths. Yes, we must dispel a few more myths. There are two really big, quote, reasons that keep seemingly intelligent people, like me for years, from paying off mortgages. So we will start with those. Big reason number one, myth. It is wise to keep my home mortgage to get the tax deduction. Truth, tax deductions are no bargain. We discussed tax deduction math when we looked at car fleeces. Let's review. If you have a home with a payment of around $900 and the interest portion is $830 per month, you have paid around $10,000 in interest that year, which creates a tax deduction. If instead you have a debt-free home, you would, in fact, lose the tax deduction. So the myth says, keep your home mortgage because of tax advantages. This situation is one more opportunity to discover if your CPA can add. If you do not have a $10,000 tax deduction and you are in a 30% bracket, you will have to pay $3,000 in taxes on that $10,000. According to the myth, we should send $10,000 in interest to the bank so we don't have to send $3,000 in taxes to the IRS. Personally, I think I will live debt-free and not make a $10,000 trade for $3,000. However, any of you who want $3,000 of your taxes paid, just email me, and I will personally pay $3,000 of your taxes as soon as your check for $10,000 clears into my bank account. I can add. Big reason number two, myth. It is wise to borrow all I can on my home or continually refinance for cash out because of the great interest rates and then invest the money. Truth. You don't really make anything when the smoke clears. This one is a little complicated, but if you follow me, you will have intellectually grasped why so many people have fallen into a financial pit. The myth that I was taught in academia is to use lower interest debt to invest in higher return investments. Sadly, some, quote, financial planners have told Americans to borrow on their home at around 8% to invest in good growth stock mutual funds, averaging 12%, because you make an easy 4% spread. Mutual funds are awesome investments, and as I have said, I personally have tons of money invested in good growth stock mutual funds. The problem with this myth is that the assumption used to get that 4% spread or profit on investing is wrong. 
let's look at borrowing $100,000 on your home to invest. If you borrowed at 8%, you would pay $8,000 in interest. And if you invested the $100,000 you borrowed on your home and made 12%, you would make $12,000 in return, netting you $4,000. Or would you? Where I live, if you make $12,000 on an investment, you will pay taxes. If you are in a 30% tax bracket, you will pay $3,600 in taxes at ordinary income rates or $2,400 if you invest at capital gains rates. So you will not net $4,000, but instead $400 to $1,600. But we aren't through yet. If I own the home next to you and have no debt, and you, because of your investment advisor guy, borrowed $100,000 on your home, who has taken more risk? When the economy moves south, and there is war or rumors of war, when you get sick or have a car wreck or are downsized, you will run into major problems with a $100,000 mortgage that I will never have. So debt causes risk to increase. Since debt causes increased risk, we must mathematically factor in a reduction in return if we are sophisticated investors. If you can make 12% on a mutual fund, and I try to get you to invest in a bet on the roulette wheel, which will return you 500%, you would automatically say the two don't compare. Why? Risk. Common sense tells you not to compare mutual funds and roulette wheel returns without adjusting the returns for risk. Common sense tells you to discount the 500% upside of the roulette wheel because of risk. After discounting the roulette wheel for risk, you would rather have the mutual fund. Good choice. Actually, this is done in academia as well. Graduate-level financial people are taught mathematical formulas to make risky investments compare apples to apples with safer investments after adjustment for risk. We just never apply that formula to a debt-free home versus a mortgaged and invested home, which is very naive. The bottom line is that after adjusting for taxes and risk, the debt-free person will actually come out ahead. When you pay off your home and you have no payments, try something. Sit down on your paid-for back porch and take off your paid-for shoes. Now stand up and walk across your paid-for grass in the backyard. It feels different. Common sense. Myth. Take out a 30-year mortgage and promise yourself to pay it like a 15-year, so if something goes wrong, you'll have wiggle room. Truth. Something will go wrong. <laughs> One thing I am sure of, in my total money makeover, I had to quit telling myself that I had innate discipline and a fabulous natural self-control. That is a lie. I have to put systems and programs in place that make me do smart things. A big part of being strong financially is that you know where you are weak and take action to make sure you don't fall prey to the weaknesses. And we are all weak. Sick children, bad transmissions, 
prom dresses, high heat bills, and dog vaccinations come up and you won't make the extra payment. Grow up. The FDIC says that 97.3% of people don't systematically prepay extra on their mortgage. If you have a $110,000 mortgage at a 7% interest rate, you will pay $732 per month for 30 years for a grand total of $263,520 over the life of the mortgage. If you pay back the same mortgage in 15 years, you will pay $988 per month, but only pay $177,840 over the life of the mortgage. You save more per month, and you will save almost $100,000 and 15 years of bondage. The really interesting thing I have observed is that 15-year mortgages always pay off in 15 years. If you must take out a mortgage, pretend only 15-year mortgages exist. Myth. It is wise to use the lower rates offered by an arm mortgage or balloon mortgage if you know you'll be moving in a few years anyway. Truth, you will be moving when they foreclose. The adjustable rate mortgage, in which your interest rate goes up when prevailing market interest rates go up, was born to transfer the risk of higher interest rates to you, the consumer. In the last several years, home mortgage rates have been at a 30 or 40 year low it is not wise to get something that adjusts when you're at the bottom rates balloon mortgages are even worse balloons pop and it is always strange to me that the popping sound is so startling why don't we expect it it is in the very nature of balloons to pop when your entire mortgage is due in 36 or 60 months you send out engraved invitations to Murphy myth. The home equity loan is good to have instead of an emergency fund. Truth. Again, emergencies are precisely when you don't need debt. The home equity loan is one of the most aggressively marketed loans today. The average American in debt to his eyeballs has exhausted all means of borrowing except the big second mortgage on his home. This is very sad because we now put our homes at risk to go on vacation open a business, consolidate debt, or just for an emergency fund. Families come to us in dire straits when the home equity loan is their last bad mistake and the straw that breaks the camel's back. The banking industry calls these home equity loans HELs for short. And my experience tells me they simply left off an L. These loans are very dangerous and an unbelievable amount of them are in foreclosure. Even a conservative person who doesn't have credit card debt and pays cash for vacations can make the mistake of the HEL by setting up a loan or line of credit just for emergencies. Most HELs are renewable annually, meaning they requalify you for the loan once a year. Ed and Sally didn't realize this. Ed is a very sophisticated financial guy, or so he thought. So he had an HEL for emergencies. Sally had a bad car wreck and within three months Ed got downsized. They quickly went through the HEL and then got behind in their bills. The annual renewal came 
on the HEL, and the bank chose not to renew their loan because of their bad credit, which had been perfect for the previous 17 years of marriage. The bank called the note. Ed couldn't believe the bank would kick them out when they were down. The note being called meant they had to refinance to pay off the bank, but guess what? They couldn't because their credit was bad. The end result was very sad. They sold their home to avoid foreclosure. Ed was wrong. They should have had an emergency fund instead of a loan. Myth. You can't pay cash for a home. Truth. Bet me. I don't borrow money. Ever. Luke called me from Cleveland to tell me that some of our listeners are doing what Sharon and I have done. The 100% down plan. Pay cash. Most people don't think that can be done. Luke did it. Luke made really good money. His income at 23 years old was $50,000, and he married a young lady making $30,000. His grandfather had preached to him never to borrow money. So Luke and his new bride lived in a very small apartment over a rich lady's garage. They paid only $250 a month for it. They lived on nothing and did nothing that cost money, and they saved. Man, did they save. Making $80,000 in the household, they saved $50,000 a year for three years and paid cash for a $150,000 home. They closed on the home on Luke's wife's 26th birthday. They lived like no one else. And now they are living like no one else. If you make $80,000 per year and don't have any payments... You can become very wealthy very quickly. Keep in mind, though, that Luke's friends and relatives thought he should be committed. They made fun of his cars, his lifestyle, and his dream. Only his bride and his grandfather believed in his dream. Who cares what the broke people think? Well, there it is. Maybe step six. Debt-free and loving it. Our observation of families who stay gazelle intense is that they pay off the mortgage about seven years from the date they decide to have a total money makeover. I'm sure by now you are reassured that this is not a get-rich-quick audiobook. What kind of author would tell a microwave culture that it takes an average of seven years to reach the last baby step? What kind of author would tell a soundbite culture that the first two steps take a very tough two or two and a half years. An author who has seen it done tens of thousands of times by ordinary people with extraordinary desire would do that. The same author who tells you it's not easy, just worth it. I have used the emotional tag with radio audiences and live audiences that the grass will feel different under your feet when you own it. When you pay off the mortgage, have a barefoot mortgage-burning party and invite all your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Maybe they will catch the bug and want a total money makeover when they see yours is really working. Chapter 12. Build Wealth Like Crazy. Arnold Schwarzadollar, Mr. Universe of Money. You have reached that perfect number, baby step seven. By reaching the last step of your total money makeover, you have entered the top 2% of Americans. You are totally debt-free. No house payment, no car payment. 
You are not mastered by a card. You have not discovered bondage. American excess has left your life, and you are free. You live on a monthly written plan and agree on it with your spouse if you're married. You have a retirement destiny that looks considerably better than Alpo and social insecurity. If you have children, they will be students without a student loan. You have lived like no one else. So now you will be able to live like no one else. Through sweat and sacrifice, you have reclaimed control of your life and your most powerful wealth-building tool, your income. Baby step seven, build wealth. What is the purpose of your having a total money makeover? Why did you do it? Why all the sacrifice and work? To be in debt and out of control doesn't take nearly as much effort. Why go to all this trouble? Why do you want to have wealth? If you think wealth will answer all life's questions and make you trouble-free, you are delusional. Wealth is not an escape mechanism. It is instead a tremendous responsibility. So what would you do if you had $18 million that it took you 40 years to acquire? After years of studying, teaching, and even preaching on this subject across America, I can find only three good uses for money. Money is good for fun. Money is good to invest. And money is good to give. Most anything else you find to do with it doesn't represent good mental and spiritual health on your part. So if you one day have $18 million, you should do all three of these things. In fact... While you are working the steps to wealth, you should be doing all three of these things. At this stage in the total money makeover, you are Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Universe of Money, with serious abs, pecs, and quads. You have all this financial muscle, so now you should do something intentional with it. We built this financial superbody for a reason, to have fun, invest, and give. Yes, we get to have fun. The kid in us likes the fun part of this equation. And since we have made this kid behave for a long time with promises of ice cream, if he does so, he should get some ice cream. Should anyone wear a $30,000 watch? Should anyone drive a brand new $50,000 car? Should anyone live in a $700,000 home? Absolutely they should. The problem with people is they buy those things when they can't afford them. We talked about new cars and what a bad investment they are. Roughly 70% of the people I assist in a total money makeover have to make the difficult decision to sell their car. So some days my talk radio show becomes the sell the car show. Some days it seems my answer to every question is sell the car. Make sure you understand one reason to have a total money makeover is to build wealth that allows you to have fun. So have some fun. Taking your family, even the extended ones, on a seven-day cruise, buying large diamonds, or even buying new cars are things you can afford to do when you have millions of dollars. You can afford to do these things because when you do them, your money position is hardly even affected. That guilt-free enjoyment is one of the three reasons to have a total money makeover. The grown-up inside us likes the investing of money because that is the part that makes us wealthy. Also, the growing dollars are a way of keeping score in our total money makeover game. Are we winning? It truly becomes a game. 
Sometimes I meet people who arrive at the step and are scared because just as they reach retirement age, their investments are heading down. Never fear. If you have quality investments, they will come back. Besides, you don't need all the nest egg it wants to retire on. You just need some of the income from it. Be patient with the market while living off the income the nest egg produces. You can choose to be a little more sophisticated, but until you have over $10 million, I would keep your investing very simple. You can clutter your life with a bunch of unnecessary stress by getting into extremely complex investments. I use simple mutual funds and debt-free real estate as my investment mix. Very clean, simple investments with some basic tax advantages. Always manage your own money. You should surround yourself with a team of people smarter than you, but you make the decisions. God did not give them the responsibility over this money. He gave that to you. Celebrities and pro athletes often lose their entire fortunes because they give up the responsibility of managing their own money. The Bible states in the multitude of counsel, their safety. With baby step seven, build wealth, there is a subsection B, another milestone. The second milestone within becoming wealthy is the pinnacle point. Growing up in the suburbs in Tennessee, I grew accustomed to riding a bike and facing hills. To a seven-year-old with one gear, a huge hill looked like Mount Everest. I don't know which kid in history did it first, but the technique for small guy bike hill climbing has been passed down for generations. The switchback. Instead of pedaling straight up, we would painfully go side to side, taking a small bite at a time of our Tennessee mountain. The unpopular players' baseball cards made a slow click, click, click through the spokes as we made our ascent. The heat seemed oven-like, and the beads of sweat turned into rivers. You pull on the handlebars with all the power your arm muscles will produce to push your legs down on the pedals one more time. Push, push, breathe, breathe until you finally reach the top. What do you find at the top? Those of us that have pushed up some unbelievable hills know what I found that Tennessee summer day at the top of the hill. I found that perfect moment. The perfect moment when you push the pedal one last time before going down a huge hill on the other side. The perfect moment where you hang in the balance after all the sweat, the work, and the agony, and a smile breaks across your face. That moment, just before we take the glorious ride down, is the pinnacle point. And the ride down is glorious. The wind blows through your hair, and your feet are not on the pedals anymore, but up on the handlebars. The click, click, click of the baseball cards becomes a chattering with a sound like a thousand crickets. You are now enjoying the ride. The coasting is the fruit of your labors. Memories of strain, sweat, and repeated near failure fade as the wind tickles your ears, whispering, You are the king. You did it. You climbed the hill. You didn't quit. You paid the price to win. The smile in your soul says, Accomplishment. This baby step takes us to the point where your money works harder than you do. The pinnacle point. 
It is the instant in time where focused gazelle intensity has reached critical mass, and your money takes on a life of its own. This point is not that you are going to quit life when you get there. You will still manage and direct, but the money thing will have its feet up, and you will be going downhill. Wealth will find its way to you. Mistakes on your tax return will be in your favor. The IRS will discover them and send you the money back with interest. Well, that's probably an impossible dream, but you get the idea. When your money makes more than you do, you are officially wealthy. When you can comfortably live on your investment income, you are financially secure. Money is a hard worker, harder than you. Money never gets sick, never gets pregnant, and is never disabled. Money works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You have reached the pinnacle point when you can live off of 8% of your nest egg. Go ahead, multiply your nest egg by .08, and if you can live on that number, or that number is more than you make, you are coasting downhill. Congratulations, your money makes more than you do. Enjoy the ride. The most mature part of who you are will meet the kid inside as you learn to involve yourself in the last use of money, which is to give it away. Giving is possibly the most fun you will ever have with money. Fun is good, but you will tire of golf and travel, and if you eat enough lobster, it starts tasting like soap. Investing is good, but going around and around and around that Monopoly board eventually loses its appeal, especially after you reach the pinnacle point. Every mentally and spiritually healthy person I've met has been turned on by giving. I can promise you from meeting with literally thousands of millionaires that the thing the healthy ones share in common is a love of giving. Only the strong can help the weak, and that is true of money, too. The Bible states that pure religion is actually helping the poor, not theorizing over why they are poor. See James 1.27. Margaret Thatcher said, No one would have remembered the Good Samaritan if he hadn't had money. The Good Samaritan had a good heart and a heavy enough purse to pay an innkeeper to help take care of the injured man. Money was at its best that day. Money gives power to good intentions. That's why I'm unashamedly in favor of building wealth. Sadly, I meet people who try to avoid this third use of money, mistakenly thinking they will end up with more. Eric Butterworth tells of an interesting system used to capture monkeys in the jungle. The captors use heavy glass bottles with long necks. Into each bottle they deposit some sweet-smelling nuts. The aroma of the nuts attracts the monkeys to the bottles. When the monkeys put their hand into the bottle to get the nuts, the neck of the bottle is too small for a fist to come back out. The monkey can't take his hand out of the bottle without dropping the nuts, which he is unwilling to do. The bottles are too heavy to carry away, so the monkey becomes trapped by nothing more than his greed. We may smile at these foolish monkeys, but how many times has our freedom been taken away by nothing more than our greed? When you have your total money makeover, you can do some things with scale. I have one friend who buys 75 brand new bikes for an inner city ministry every year. He gets these bikes at Christmas and gives them out one at a time to kids in a subsidized housing project. 
Another pastor friend of mine is involved in a project called Seeds of Kindness. An anonymous member of his congregation gave $50,000 to the congregation members to give away one $100 bill at a time. These $100 bills are given human to human across the city with fabulous results. People who had completely lost faith in God and in the human race are shaken to the core by a simple $100 gift. The givers often report having more fun than the receivers. There are only three uses for money. Fun, investing, and giving. You cannot claim total money makeover status until you do all three. As I said earlier, you should begin doing some of each as you go through the steps. And, if you are married, let your spouse have some slack as soon as there is some. After you get past the emergency fund step, let each other function in the areas you like best. My wife Sharon is a natural saver, so she always cheats toward investing. I am a natural spender, so I make sure she has fun. We both enjoy giving. Please push that pedal one more time. Switch back if you have to. Failure is not an option. Push, push, I promise. And the tens of thousands who have reached their pinnacle point in their total money makeover promise. At the top of the hill is a glorious ride down. Take that ride with us. Another total money makeover success story. Before we began listening to Dave Ramsey, we were a single paycheck family. We had no kids yet, but we did have debt. Two car notes, seven credit cards, a line of revolving credit, and a moderate retirement. We bought a nice 4,300-square-foot-high maintenance home for $250,000. What a mistake! The two of us didn't need that much house. There was no way to justify the payment or the wasted room. We kept trading cars to try to get a BBD, bigger, better deal, but the car equity hold kept getting deeper, or at least stayed the same. I'm not saying it's not okay to own some nice things, but the things owned us. This was demonstrated in revolving debt and increasing marital discord. The discussions in our marriage were frequently over bills. We had no budget, no kids, and no plan. When our first child was born, we'd had it with increasing bills and housing costs. We had been an occasional listener for about two years, and I got tired of being that doctor in debt Dave talked about on his radio show. We started to work the plan. With the birth of our second child, we had a financial rebirth. We have paid off the cars. I paid cash for a nice used car for my wife and kids. I chose to drive an older car. We sold the $250,000 house for profit to an up-and-coming politician and bought a home for $133,000 and worked on it for two years. We have since bought our dream fix-up home and are having a great time. We have put an addition on our keeper home and will still pay off the mortgage in 10 years or less. It is now a joy to use money and not dread another money discussion. Doing the total money makeover taught us more about each other than any marriage counselor could. We now communicate openly and enjoy being a doctor out of debt, except for the mortgage. John, a physician. Chapter 13. Live Like No One Else. You started this audiobook financially flabby, overweight with debt, out of shape in savings, and in desperate need of a personal trainer. However, 
there is a problem with following the total money makeover plan. The problem is simply that it's a proven plan because it works. If you follow this system, it will work. It will work so well that you are going to become wealthy over the next 20 to 40 years. The problem with becoming wealthy is that you stand a chance of becoming enamored with wealth. According to Proverbs 10:14, a rich man's wealth can become his walled city. In Bible times, the wall around the city was the city's protection from the enemy. If you get from your wealth the idea that you are some big deal because you gathered some money, you missed the essence of a total money makeover. The wealthy person who is ruled by his stuff is no more free than the debt-ridden consumer we've picked on throughout this audiobook. Anton Riveroli said, There are men who gain from their wealth only the fear of losing it. Since you have been learning a wealth-building system from me, you might think I believe stuff is the answer to happiness, emotional well-being, and spiritual maturity. On the contrary, I see a real spiritual danger in having great wealth. The danger is old-fashioned materialism. In his great book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, author Randy Alcorn discusses a disease running amok in America, affluenza. Affluenza is a malady that affects some of the affluent and their children because some of the affluent and their children seek happiness, solace, and fulfillment in the consuming of stuff, they end up depressed and even suicidal. They discover bumper sticker wisdom. He who dies with the most toys is still dead. Stuff is wonderful. Get some stuff. But don't let the pursuit of wealth become your God. My wife and I are concerned that our wealth be a blessing and not a curse to our children. So we are tough on our kids regarding work, saving, giving, and spending issues. When one of my kids was a teenager, she complained to me, Do you know how tough it is being Dave Ramsey's kid, Dad? You're so hard on us, making us buy our own cards, manage our own checkbook. You cut us no slack. I replied that we are tough on them because one day they will inherit our wealth, and that wealth will either ruin their life or become a tool for great good. While wealth is fun, it comes with great responsibility. Another paradox is that wealth will make you more of what you are. If you are a jerk and you become wealthy, you will be the king of jerks. If you are generous and you become wealthy, you will be most generous. If you are kind, wealth will allow you to show kindness in immeasurable ways. If you feel guilty, Wealth will ensure that you feel guilty for the rest of your life. The love of money, not money, is the root of all evil. As a Christian, I am amazed how certain political and religious groups have decided that wealth is evil. Many of the heroes of biblical faith, of world history, and of our nation were very wealthy, including King David, Solomon, Job, and most of our founding fathers. There is a negative mindset justifying money mediocrity that is maddening. Wealth is not evil, and people who possess it aren't evil by virtue of the wealth. If you are a good person, it is your spiritual duty to possess riches for the good of mankind. If you are a Christian like me, it is your spiritual duty to possess riches so that you can do with them things that bring glory to God. The bottom line is, if you take the stand that managing wealth is evil or carnal, 
then by default you leave all the wealth to the evil carnal people. If wealth is spiritually bad, then good people can't have it. So all the bad people get it. It is the duty of the good people to get wealth, because the good people will do good with it. If we all abandon money because some misguided souls view it as evil, then the only ones with money will be the pornographer, the drug dealer, or the pimp. Simple enough? I think you can tell by now that the total money makeover is more than just a discussion on money issues. The total money makeover makes you face the man or woman in the mirror. Facing that man or woman makes us face emotional, relational, physical, and even spiritual aspects of our lives. The wealthy people that I know who are fulfilled didn't just have a total money makeover. They had a life makeover. Because personal finance is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge, you will either make your life over in this process or you will end up miserable. I'm being very spiritual here at the end, but the spiritual is a legitimate aspect of behavior. I see well-rounded, mature people who become all God designed them to be when they get their money closets cleaned out. God has a plan for your life, and that plan isn't to harm you. It is a plan for your future, to give you hope. See Jeremiah 29.11. Hope is what I want you to walk away from this audiobook with. Hope that you can be like the people whose stories I told in this audiobook. Hope that you can turn your money troubles into money triumphs. Hope that you can retire with dignity. Hope that you can change your family tree because by building wealth you leave an inheritance. Hope that you can give money in a way you have never given it before. It is time for you to become a gazelle. It is time for you to apply these principles. They are age-old principles and they work. Tens of thousands of ordinary people just like you and me have become debt-free and even wealthy using this plan. It isn't magic. It is common sense. The exciting thing is anyone can do this. Anyone. Are you next? I hope so. It is time for you to become a gazelle. Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program.